Louise Bedford here. Just before we kick off with today's show, I wanted to let you know that for one week only, you can get up to 84% off a selection of my most popular trading education products available through tradinggame.com.au. Make no mistake. Your financial future is in your hands. So check out the audios, videos, and study courses that I have available at tradinggame.com.au. Now's your chance to develop your skills as a trader for up to 84% off, but only for the next week. Let's get on with the show. Hi, it's Caroline Stephen, financial journalist and the host of Talking Trading. Last week, we were proud to present world-renowned trading psychologist, Dr. Brett Steenbarger. And on today's episode of Talking Trading, we present the second and final part of his interview. As Brett says, the expert trader is inside of you. And today's interview is filled with gems and insights, which will shortcut your trading learning curve. A little bit about Brett. He is a world-renowned performance coach for hedge fund portfolio managers and traders. He's a regular columnist to Forbes magazine and has written several books on the psychology of trading, including his latest book, Radical Renewal, a look at the spirituality of trading. In today's interview with Brett, we talk about the importance of reverse engineering your winning trades and the massive advantage that prop firms have over solo individual traders. I have to say that I really, really enjoyed interviewing Brett. To find out more about his work, go to traderfeed.blogspot.com. But before we go to part two of Brett, Louise Bedford in Mind Power shares her own psychological insights into the art of share trading in a segment that only Louise Bedford would label like this How to Trade like a moron. It's attention grabbing, isn't it? She cracks me up. Let's hear her now. There are a load of trading books that will tell you how to share trade like a champion, raid the markets and make fistfuls of cash. Heck, I've written five best-selling books like that myself, but my psychologist colleagues also tell me that it's good to learn about what not to do so we can avoid the things that just don't work. So I'd like to discuss how to trade like a moron. Now, if you really want hideous results from the markets, firstly, be Captain Random. We've all met this type of investor. They shoot from the hip, they go on gut feel, they get emotionally involved with every share that they own and they don't even use a written trading plan. A written trading plan is so essential. It covers entry, exit and position sizing and it does that for each and every one of your trades so you can be consistent and objective. You'd be surprised how few traders use one. The next thing to do to really trade like a moron is to play the blame game. Yes, to monumentally stuff up in the markets, you need to blame your spouse, your brother, your sister, your broker, your internet connection, the NBN, the weather, your cat, your parents, your dog, your kids, your neighbours, your charting package. 
oh my goodness, so many things that we can blame if we really want to. Until you take full responsibility for your losses as well as your profits, you just won't hit the big time as a trader. And number three, to totally stuff up your trading results, you need to let fear drive you. As humans, we're a bag of fears. Fear of failing, fear of success, fear of making profits, fear of making losses, the list goes on. Make no mistake, unless you educate yourself and you're determined to be cool, calm and detached from your results, you just won't get the results you deserve. And number four, if you want to trade like a moron, then let your ego run amok. The market is the most equal opportunity employer around. It doesn't discriminate on age, gender or any other external attribute. However, if your ego gets out of whack, then your position sizes will end up too big and you'll stick with losing trades too long. Let's say you want to be a winner in the markets and not trade like a moron. What's the solution? You don't want to be Captain Random or play the blame game or let fear drive you or let your ego run amok. You want to get to the big bucks as a trader. And if that's your goal, you must become consistent, responsible and brave. Then and only then will you see the dollars roll into your trading account. Easier said than done, I know, but that's why trading psychology is so essential. Unless you have the right mindset, you'll trade like a moron and any profits you make just won't stick. They'll slip through your fingers no matter how tightly you try to hang on to them. Money flees need, but it's attracted to emotional maturity. Your level of financial satisfaction will rarely exceed your level of self-development. This is Ali Brown and I'm listening to Talking Trading. And now here's part two of world-renowned trading psychologist, Dr. Brett Steenbarger. We start this part of the interview by asking him about going into drawdown in your trading system. Going into drawdown is absolutely difficult. And I have to say that sometimes I have a heart attack when I do. What do you suggest to make drawdowns easier for traders to deal with? It's all about risk management. No drawdown shouldn't be a heart attack. Properly, then you're losing an amount of money that you're planning, that you're envisioning, that you're anticipating the possibility. And it still sucks. Uh, Sorry to be crude. It still sucks to lose that money. Well, that you're absolutely right. And that's different than a heart attack, right? Yeah. In other words, yeah, I think it's an important distinction. Of course, no one likes losing money. Of course, no one likes being wrong or, you know, whatever. But that's very different than having a set of losses that could, you know, it's a heart attack, that could traumatize us, that could really set us back emotionally. Mm. Um, you know, setbacks happen in all areas of life. And, you know, I send in a manuscript to a publisher and the publisher likes certain parts and in other parts there's blue <laughs> pencil all through the thing. You know, they, they don't like it. They're <laughs> editing this and that and so forth. But ultimately, it's going to make the book a better book, and you're going to take something away from it. Um, but you anticipate that. It's just not going to be perfect. And it's the same way with trading. It's a probabilistic enterprise. 
a certain percentage of your trades win, a certain percentage won't. Over time, if you manage risk well, you can make money, uh, but you want to anticipate the losses and uh, not let them become threatening by sizing positions too large for one's account. And by the way, that's a huge problem among retail traders. You know, they all get this idea in their head they're going to quote unquote make a living from their trading. And then they start out with an account size that <laughs> is like really small, you know? So, so yeah, so you have an account size, let's say, of, I don't know, I'm just going to make it up, up like $20,000. Now, if you were to make 20% in a year, you would be very employable at any of the hedge funds yes. that I work at. Yes. So 20% of $20,000. Hmm, let's see, that's not a living. <laughs> that's $4,000, okay? And so what they do to try to make a living is they over-leverage their positions. They'll trade too many futures contracts. They'll trade positions that are too large for their account and in an attempt to make enough money to live. And as a result, when they're wrong, they draw down a tremendous amount or percentage of their capital. And that does give them heart attacks. That's a risk management problem, but it's ultimately a problem of expectations that they're trying to do something that just isn't done. And they are trading based on a fantasy rather than based on market realities. So whilst I am talking to you and you're a psychologist of your caliber, how do you recommend people deal with drawdown in their life generically and setbacks generically? Do you have any strategies, techniques? Yeah, and you know, I, I think about the setbacks I've had in, in my life. They've really pushed me to think about uh, who I am and what I do. They push me to think about uh, am I doing things the right way? Uh, setbacks in life ideally are a prod that creates a little more reflection in our lives uh, that gets us to look at ourselves and say, why did this happen? I, uh, a while ago, I interviewed at a trading firm uh, to work with their traders. Uh, this is quite a while ago. Interview went terribly, <laughs> which is very unusual for me. But I mean, it really went terribly. There was a mismatch between what I do and what they were looking for. It really got me to reflect on how I present myself, what I do, am I doing the right thing? Um, and as a result, it gave me actually greater confidence to do what I feel is right because I felt like this firm was doing things wrong. And uh, very useful as a learning experience. Let's talk about the power of community. And I know the power of a trading community is something that you feel strongly about, as do we here at Trading Game. You work with prop desks and firms on Wall Street, and you yes. found that what they have as an, as an advantage is a built-in community on the trading floor, 20 or so other people sharing their own perspective. Yes, yes. And, uh, you know, in the prop firms that I work with, uh, SMB is a good example of this. At the hedge funds where I work, 
quote unquote community on the trading floor, but people are organized as teams. And there are senior people who are leading the team. There are junior people who are learning from their participation on the team. They are constantly sharing ideas, doing research, making each other better. And there's really ongoing mentoring that's occurring at the desk on the team. And that ends up being a very important contributor to the success of developing traders. The success rate of people developing uh, on their own as traders independently in isolation is very, very low. There's research on this. And I've seen that percentage go way, way, way up when live ongoing mentoring. So that's a big part of the power of community. What you don't want in a community is just a bunch of people shouting out their thoughts uh, because then you have an echo chamber. And, and probably if I were participating in such a community, I would use the ideas as something to fade, not necessarily something to train. So it's, it's really like your ideal family where there's junior, senior roles, older sister, older brother roles. Yeah, that's, a, that's a very nice analogy, Carolyn. Yeah, I, I think it, in, a, uh, in a family, ideally, it, it really works that way. And you have the parents have their own strengths and the children learn from the different strengths of the parents. But the parents also benefit from the relationship, uh, relationships with their children. Uh, I think that's a very good analogy. What if trading isn't for someone? They just try it and they just can't do it. How do they deal with that? Yeah, uh, and that was, I've written about that. That was my story, right? I, I For a while, That's why I I'm asking trading. you the question. <laughs> yeah, yeah. I, I, for a while, I did trading full-time, and I was actually making some money, and I was learning things. I hated it. I absolutely hated it because I was sitting there all day long staring at a screen, and that that didn't speak to the part of me that's a psychologist that loves helping people. And it wasn't a weakness that prevented me from being a full-time trader. It was actually a strength. It, it was, it didn't speak to my greatest strengths, my greatest interests, my greatest values. Which are what, so, Brett? What are your strengths, values? Being a meaningful part of people's lives. Hmm. Far and away, far and away, nothing even comes a close second. That's what really speaks to me. And that's true, whether it's with my four rescue cats, whether it's with my five children, whether it's in my marriage, whether it's in my relationships with the people I work with. You know, that is what really excites me. That's what gets me up around four in the morning, every morning, and, you know, working with people is the opportunity part of their lives and a resource in improving their lives. And I simply did not get that from trading on my own. And I think that's true for many people. If they're not succeeding at trading, it might very well be that their strengths lie elsewhere. And so they want to really step back and reflect on who they are, where have their past successes come from, and 
where might those take them? This is something that you've said. The expert trader is inside of you. Your good trades will show you the expert trader. Yes, it's the idea of learning from our successes. Uh, It's important to study what we did wrong and make improvements, obviously, but it's equally important to study what we've done well, study our successes, because those reflect strengths. Those reflect what we're good at. And so we want to reverse engineer our best trades and ask ourselves, how did we do that? What processes did we follow? How did we generate that idea? How did we size that position? How did we manage the risk? How did we enter, exit, so forth? And over time, you'll see common elements in your successful trades. Those, as I write about in my book, those are your best practices. Those are what you do well, and that's what you want to grow. Talking about discipline, how can you expect to be disciplined in trading if you lead an undisciplined life? And I know this is a favorite topic of Jack Schwager's. What's your thoughts on it? Yeah, um, <laughs> you know, there are people who, well, uh, I'll back up. Uh, if you take a look at what people do outside of market hours, that's a great predictor for how successful they will be as traders. The really successful traders are using time outside of markets to review what they've done, set goals for the next period, explore new sources of edge. In other words, they're using their time outside of trading to get better and better and better. And that's true in any performance field. If you have someone who's an actress or an actor, they're spending more time practicing their lines than actually being filmed. If you look at an athlete, they're spending more time practicing actually playing in competition. It's true for chess champions. It's true for anyone in a performance field. So when you see traders who put their time in trading during market hours and then shut it all down and put in minimal time outside of market hours, that's a great predictor of failure. So having a disciplined life means structuring your learning process, your developmental process, outside of market hours as well as trading time. And I actually just interviewed the market wizard, Linda Rashke, and she was talking about the paramount importance of structure and that you can't expect to be successful if you don't have structure. Right, right. I I respect Linda and her work tremendously. She's great. And and I couldn't agree more. And different people will have different kinds of structures, but ultimately... Uh, they find ways to use their time efficiently to make themselves better. Brett, to finish up, what pieces of advice would you give people who are on the learning curve of the markets? Far and away, the number one piece of advice for people who are on a learning curve is first trade in simulation mode. Trade on paper. You know, tra- in simulation mode, you can keep score. Uh, you actually place trades, but you don't actually put your money at risk. 
and trade in simulation mode, learn your lessons, make your mistakes, then trade very small, learn your lessons, make your mistakes, so that you can financially survive your learning curve. At the firms where I work, it takes new traders or developing traders far more than a year or two years to become consistently profitable. You can't go through big losses during that time. So you start small, you learn from the, the bottom up, you, you learn as an apprentice, so to speak, and then you grow over time. Brett, I'm having such a good time interviewing you. Please tell me and one more question I can ask you. What would be a good question? A question that people don't think to ask would be how how to be unique as a trader, Ooh. how to be how to find actual edges, how to not just look at the same charts, trade the same patterns as everyone else looks at. Uh, learning to be creative, be unique, uh, I think is a very important part of being successful in trading and doesn't get enough attention. And in life, it sounds like. All these are metaphors for life. Absolutely, absolutely. When I trained to be a psychologist, I had many different mentors, uh, people who are supervisors who actually reviewed what I was doing when I would record my counseling sessions and they would review the tapes with me and make suggestions and, and help me. And getting different points of view, learning from different people allowed me to take uh, pieces in from each person and synthesize those into my own style. I think trading is very much the same way. We want to have multiple mentors, see people do things in very different ways, and ultimately put those together in our ways that make sense to us and that draw upon what we're good at. Brett, where can people go to find out more about you? Yes, yes. So, you know, if you Google or look at Amazon, just under my name, Brett Steenbarger, you'll see the different books I've written. Uh, Trader Feed is the name of my blog, yeah, traderfeed.blogspot.com. A lot of articles there. Uh, I, if you Google Brett Steenbarger Forbes, F-O-R-B-E-S, the financial publication, you'll get a list of articles I've written for Forbes, uh, many of which are on the psychology of performance. So uh, yeah, there's no lack of stuff out there uh, that people can find. You're prolific. Brett Steenbarger, thank you very much for your time this morning over in New York. Well, thank you for having me, Carolyn. I appreciate it. And that's all for today's episode of Talking Trading. We hope you enjoyed world-renowned trading psychologist, Dr. Brett Steenbarger. Stay tuned as we hear the brilliant mind of Chris Tate next week as he shares his views on Seth Godin's Akimbo. In the meantime, happy trading in the markets. We'll see you next week.
as always, if you like this show, please be sure to tell a friend. This is super important because word of mouth is the most powerful way that people can get in touch with us. You can also subscribe on Apple Podcast and make sure you give us a big fat five-star review because it helps people find us. You'll also notice that Talking Trading doesn't use sponsors and barely advertisers. This is because Chris Tate and Louise Bedford fund this show from tradinggame.com.au. If you'd like to get Louise's five-part free e-course, register at tradinggame.com.au. So until next week, happy trading. The views represented on Talking Trading are general in nature and do not take into account your objectives, financial situation or needs. Before acting on any of the information, consider its appropriateness in regards to your own situation.